What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Mets Legends podcast. I'm your host, Michael Jennings, uh, starring as the legendary Aaron Heilman. And joined with me today is my co-host, Rob Pearsall, starring as Mets legendary catcher from that same era, Ramon Castro. Ramon, how you doing today? Doing good. Can't believe the Mets traded me to the Chicago White Sox for Lance Broadway. Um, just really de- devastated about that. You know, people talk shit about the Javi Baez trade. Why aren't people talking more shit about that trade? Yeah, Mets got absolutely fleeced. Yeah. If you go, there's like one total Mets picture of Lance Broadway. <laughs> just absolutely a bummer. Lance Broadway, too, also like just doesn't sound like a real name. Like, how is that your last name? It sounds like a video game, like create a character name when you're like, when you first get to the menu and it's just like randomized first name, last name, Lance Broadway. Yeah. Or like, like, or like a, like a mob villain and like a, like a low budget, like, like, like crime. <laughs> hey, Lance Broadway and his boys are coming over here. You better watch out. Sounds like an off Broadway, like musical villain. <laughs> <laughs> And now, one former MLB pitcher will look to <laughs> he is Lance Brooks. <laughs> God. Anyway, is- we have real things to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, real things. So the Mets, uh, Mets coaching staff seems to be almost complete. Yeah, and that's good. That's a good thing. Still need a bench coach, um, which, like, I have no problem with the Mets waiting until, like, almost spring training to hire a bench coach like it is important and like we've we've talked about it on the pod how the Mets have had like this revolving door of bench coaches Um, and it would be nice to have someone in there who you could maybe groom to become a manager uh, you know post Buck Showalter but by the same token you have Buck Showalter as manager and like he's he's so well respected by everyone in the league that like I'm not too worried about it anymore I don't I feel like my feelings about it have evolved to like not caring as much as maybe I did during like the manager search, but I don't know. What do you think, Rob? Yeah. I mean, so I would, I just want some stability out of the bench coach position mm-hmm. in my, like, you know, I wrote an article about it for the site uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Cause you know, in the last, five years the Mets have had five different bench coaches and so I feel like there really hasn't been much rhyme or reason there like you know you had Hensley Mullins for the for the shortened 2020 season and then he mm-hmm. was let go and then last year you had Dave Joust who like guys seem to like but you know it doesn't seem like Dave Joust was really I don't know feeding Luis Rojas any kind of info or you yeah. know he was their bench coach. Like he, he's a guy who I think is like, not like not necessarily a bad coach, but is not going to be like a steady riser through the system. Mm-hmm. You know, and then obviously you had Jim Riggleman who didn't have like crazy success when he was a manager, you had Dick Scott, um, you know, so and I, I liked the way that the Mets went about the, the manager search. Like, yeah, you know, you had guys like Joe Espada and Matt Quattraro who are bench coaches for popular teams. Um, or not popular teams, but like well-run teams who have been right in the, the thick of things the last couple of years. Um, so kind of depends know. on who you ask. If you 
like if you were to ask someone our age are the rays a popular team and they're like a baseball fan they'll say absolutely because everybody wants to be like the rays the way they run yeah, their organization you know totally um absolutely um but yeah i think at the very least like, i would just like it seems like the mets are kind of targeting like more forward-thinking guys like you had like ryan flaherty who's a coach mm-hmm. for the padres who is very well regarded within you know the game of baseball someone who might be a future manager down the line you know they he had played, the guy from... he played for buck too didn't he in baltimore yeah. yeah yeah he did and so i mean that would have been cool but i think was it the padres didn't allow him to, to they, talk blocked, to the mets? they blocked him and yeah. then the the mets got blocked from someone else too a couple other people but uh, <laughs> every time I see that too, like that, that, you know, such and such organization block the Mets from talking to this person, there's always a lull Mets tweet about it. And it's like, not every single failure of the organization, it's not even a failure. It's, it's another organization saying, we want to keep this guy. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, man, it also I, probably happens. It probably happens more, like maybe not as much as it has to the Mets, but like I'm sure it happens to every team, you know. Like every team probably gets blocked by. It's just like no, for sure. Maybe, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, um, but you know they'll find their bench coach. It seems like they might have already. Like I mean, mm. you know, I usually take what Andy Martino says with a grain of salt. Sorry, Andy. You know, I just just do. <laughs> no, that's fair. Um, but it seems like they're they're they might roll out their full coaching staff at the end of the week. Um. So we'll see if that happens, but they have, you know, a few more roles to, to fill. I mean, they, they just plucked Eric Chavez away from the Yankees, which is kind of cool. Love that. Um, yeah. I le- I really liked Eric Chavez as a player. He was me really too. good. Me too. Um, it'll be weird to see him in like Mets uniform. I'm so used to him yeah. being like in his uniform or yeah. he backs for a little bit, which was even weird at the time. Um, I just associate Eric Chavez with yeah. Athletics green and yellow. Yeah. It'll be weird. Um, I didn't know that he actually played for the Yankees. Did you know that? He played for the Yankees? He did, yeah. Yeah, I I did know that. Because I remember thinking when they signed him, I was like, "Mm, I like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. But that was all the thought I had about it. I mean, (laughs) that was around the time when the Yankees were really signing like a bunch of um, like washed off veterans. Yeah. Um, like you know, they they had like Vernon Wells on their team. They had right. Lyle Overbay, <laughs> uh, Eric Chavez. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Lance Berkman was on the Yankees for a mm, bit. That's right. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who else was on those teams. Kevin Euclidus. <laughs> uh, so uh, it was just like they had a Kobe Ellsbury. I mean, that was just like a a disaster of a deal. But that's kind of when he. He went to the Yankees, was, wasn't it? Yeah. Matt Holiday in more recent years. Matt Holiday. Um, but yeah, so obviously, like we'll see um what, how these signings pan out. Um, it seems like the Mets are targeting a more forward-thinking bench coach, which I like. Um yeah, me too. You know, at the very least, like I'd like to see someone that they could at least maybe someone that could at least maybe um rise through the system or, or, or learn and like kind of advance like maybe you have someone that could be a future manager one day we'll see yeah yeah i, I yeah i completely agree with that i think and i actually saw you know 
I mean, despite our, uh, you know, sort of call back to another episode, doing a deep dive on Mets Facebook. Um, like I did see a couple people saying like, why not David Wright? Um, I don't think he's in a place right now in his life to like want to do that. It doesn't seem, but yeah. at the same time, like I would, don't hate the idea of David Wright as a manager in the future. Um, and like, so why not start him out as a bench coach? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like, I think, I think the, the thing with Wright is he probably just, you know, wants to spend some time with his family. I know he lives in California now. Um, I mean, and he does what, work 36. Like he's not even like, he's, he's like 30 old, 38, maybe 37. He's not that old. He's not old at all. Um, my only thing with Wright is that, or that I worry about with Wright is that he becomes manager mm-hmm. and maybe he doesn't succeed. And then yeah, right. you just have fans hating him. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he, he, he's like some sort of like, he has some sort of role in the front office. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. I mean, listen, like if Wright was like a bench coach one day or some sort of like, like maybe a hitting coach, I'd be okay with yeah. it for sure. I think give it a few years. I don't think now is the time for David Wright to be like in the dugout, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously like every Mets fan, I think would, would, would want that at some point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but anyway. so they have the first, they have their first and third base coaches, Joey core at third base and uh, uh, their first base coach. His name is eluding me right now. Um, but he he has coached with Buck Showalter in the past. Um, I really can't remember his name. Uh, but he, Wayne he's Kirby. Their, Wayne Kirby. Yeah, he's he's worked with Showalter in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Eric Chavez as a hitting coach. I thought he was like a. I mean, he was better known for his defense, mm-hmm. um, at third base, but he was he was a solid hitter and like yeah i think i think that's key to being a good hitting coach is like maybe you're not the best hitter of all time but like i mean we've seen it like barry bonds was not a good hitting coach um but like someone who understands hitting and how to communicate with his players um i have a good feeling that chavez is probably pretty good at that so uh because i mean he was just like so well respected as a player um just for being like a baseball guy. So, yeah, I mean, so do you watch Matt Antonelli on YouTube? Do you ever watch him? Um, not often. Okay. So Matt, so for you guys listening at home, Matt Antonelli, he was a former first round pick of the Padres in like the mid two thousands. And he debuted, I think in 2008. And he, he only spent a little bit of time in the majors. Um, but he coaches now, like not, professionally but he coaches like travel ball or whatever and um i think it was him like he was just talking about how like or he had made a point one time where he was like not all the best hitting coaches were like great hitters in their like in their careers or whatever like and the reason being i think for that is because and i think he probably mentioned this too it's one of his older videos but he talks about how a lot of guys that aren't the great hitters are more or maybe not more aware but they have to obviously work harder in some respects in order to keep that level of competition so 
a lot of guys like that would keep notebooks and would pick brains mm-hmm. of other players. And so they kind of get a feel for the game in a coaching respect while they're still players because they're gathering all the information, you know, that they need in order to succeed. So um, I think even like guys that, that really weren't great hitters can be good hitting coaches for that reason. Um, and, when you know, you look at, and when you look at Eric Chavez's um, baseball reference page, he won one, two, three, four, five, six gold gloves in a row at third mm-hmm. base. Got some MVP votes. He did win one silver slugger in that time. Um, but when you look at his hitting numbers, to me, as, as a non-Oakland A's fan, uh, where, where he spent the majority of his career, um, he was always a, a really good fielding third baseman who could hit a little. But when you look at his stats, he could hit a lot. Like, he was a really, really good hitter. Um, he, hit, he hit 260 home runs in his career during his time in Oakland. He got up to as high as 34. That was the year he won the silver slugger. Mm-hmm. Um, his OPS plus numbers are what stand out to me. Um, he was only below 100 f- four seasons, four full seasons, not even full mm-hmm. seasons uh, toward the end of his time in Oakland. Um, he dipped below that like benchmark of 100 for OPS plus that's being an average hitter. Um, he only fell below that in like half seasons when he was, I think he he was dealing with some injuries at the time, but other than that, um, he was well above 100 in the OPS plus stat, which is kind of like my first like benchmark to see like what kind of a hitter someone is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Chavez. I always remember being a pretty good hitter. I used to like him a lot when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was, he was, he was really good when we were kids, you know, like he was mm-hmm. like that era of players. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Chavez was like, remember like first getting into baseball, he was really good, you know? So he's someone I'm very familiar with. So I like that. I like that hire a lot, you know, and mm-hmm. um, you know, f- for them to have plucked him for the Yankees is also nice. Um, and we'll Always see how he does. That. Yeah. Um, and I'm, ha- I'm happy Hafner is still around too for the pitching coach. Hefner, yeah, Hefner's definitely a good pitching coach because, I mean, he's. I'm sure the same thing applies, like what you were saying about Matt Antonelli. Uh, Same thing applies to pitchers. The guys who maybe didn't have lightning crazy stuff, um, you know, they had to keep the notebook. They had to think like a pitcher and not go up there and hurl 101, 102 and hope it doesn't go down the middle. You know what I mean? Like Hefner was exactly that guy as as a player, which (laughs) – puts him in a position to be able to, I think, relate better. Cause I mean, think about it from a coach's perspective. Like, like if you're Barry Bonds trying to teach someone how to hit, they're a scrawny little right-handed hitter. Um, and Barry Bonds is just like juiced up, like lefty slugger. Who's like, if it's a strike, just don't swing. Or if it's not a strike, don't swing. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> like how do you explain that to someone who doesn't have the level of talent? that that Barry Bonds just naturally has and for someone like Bonds it's like obviously you know yes he did steroids um you know I I love Bonds as a player um and you know every every major league baseball player has to work hard Mm -hmm. um some obviously more than others though you know so you know Barry Bonds one of the best baseball players of all time you know was probably the best player in whatever league he played little league high school college um, you know, he was always used to being the best player, mm-hmm. um, 
for someone like Matt Antonelli, who, you know, same thing, probably. I mean, he was a first round pick. So when he was growing up, when he was in college, you know, he, yeah, was he was a great I mean, Surely he was the stud. Yeah. Yeah. But then you get to professional baseball and, you know, there's certain things. I mean, you know, he was hurt a lot and he didn't like, didn't stick in the majors, you know, so you have to, you have to try other things you have to, you have to gain information in a different way. So, mm -hmm. um, but the coaching staff is rounding out um, and, we kind of have some good news on the horizon. Maybe we'll see like cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Uh, the MLB players association and MLB are slated to talk this week, according to Jeff passing of ESPN. Yeah. Um, Which like, so that's better than not talking better than not talking. Hopefully it's not <laughs> one of those bullshit 32nd sit down, fuck you. And then, you know, we're back in that freeze. Well, um, I, I, I don't think, I don't think this can be like that because I mean, uh, obviously we don't know the ins and outs of like ownership and things like that. The, the naive baseball lover in me thinks that there's, there's, you know, kind of backroom negotiations going on without being official. Um, and the real hangup is that, uh, that like core economics concept that all these, uh, you know, writers keep talking about. Um, and I think that's, you know, everything else is kind of like minor in relation to that. So like, that's the non-starter. If, if they sit down and see, you know, the players see like, this is another insult, hopefully they don't. Um, then I don't know, maybe we move forward, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, cautiously optimistic, like you said. Um, and I think I'm hopeful <laughs> and, you know, maybe foolishly so, but I'm hopeful with this news that it'll happen quickly. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I mean, it would really stink for, I mean, fans, obviously 2020, we got the shortened season, which mm -hmm. was, didn't even really feel real. I don't know. I, I didn't really, that was like the first season that I really just didn't follow. Like, like there was times where, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't writing for Metsmerize at that point. Um, and so I was kind of out of the loop. Like I was, I was really just, I had separated myself from baseball a little bit. Not like that I was angry or anything like that. I just, you know, we were in the middle of the pandemic. We were in the middle of the pandemic. So yeah. it's just different like, shit going like, on. Yeah. You know, the, the Mets were the Mets signed like Melky Cabrera and Brian Dozier, oh Jared Hughes. I just like, I didn't know until like <laughs> days later. Um, yeah. And so, talk about a fever but, dream. But, but it's like you have like the 60 game season and then mm. you have a full season, you know, when everyone was, everyone's so happy baseball's back. And then to have like another lockout, like two lockouts in, not, not that the 2020 season was a lockout, but like to have two freezes in baseball. Yeah. Well, there's also the nonsense years. trying to restart the season too. Like there was a ton of nonsense between owners and players association that felt like a lockout, you know, like it, 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 you know, walked, walked like a lockout, talked like a lockout, smelled like a lockout. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, it was essentially like, like at certain points it was just like, there might not even be a season and the season didn't start until what the end of July. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, it's which like, is like crunch time. time. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it was just bizarre. 
by that time, it's like you're, you know, the, the trade deadline is passed. You know what kind of team you're in. You're in the thick of things mm-hmm. for the last, you know, the, for the stretch run of the season. And then mm-hmm. it was like, just as like you're, you know, it's like September 1st is the, is the midway part of this weird season. And in any other year, it would be one month into the season. So yeah. um, we'll see. Hopefully, I mean, the Mets still have a lot of work to do. You know, they had a, thankfully they had a really busy first half of the off season and <laughs> we haven't been as yeah. bored as other fan bases because you know the Mets have had to you know hire Show Walter and mm. hire other coaches but there's still work to do um plenty yeah I mean just roster wise like pitching is a huge question mark um I one of my favorite tweets of yours in the past like six months probably was that Pooh Bear dancing to Danza Caduro <laughs> <laughs> that's a great video i mean i mean like you know the 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 tweet that it was attached to said that you know there's kind of like a handshake deal uh, to bring back jerry's familia which i'm i'm happy about i think i think jerry's familia will go down as one of my favorite mets relief pitchers ever uh he's no matter like, what he does he's just like he's it's it's He's, he's kind of like the new age John Franco where it's just like, yeah, he's just a Met. He's going to be a Met for fucking ever. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like John Franco, John Franco was on the Mets for a long time. Like he was mm-hmm. on the Mets from like 1990 until like 2004. Yeah. Um, you know, like Familia is going to be like that type of guy. Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously Familia, he didn't have a terrible year this past year. I think if you're <laughs> using him as a if you have him as a middle reliever, you're not using him in like crazy high leverage situations. Like I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they still have to round out their bullpen. Hopefully they bring in someone like Andrew Chafin, mm-hmm. uh, who we talked about in our last episode or, or, you know, um, I've written last articles for, on the recorded site. episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but, but what is like your top, like, like, what do you think? Like, what would you like to see the meds do first and foremost? when the, the lockout ends and the off season resumes? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I think the lineup is pretty much set, so it just has to be pitching. It has to be probably for me uh, more so like starting pitching depth than bullpen right now. Um, I mean, you know, I still have faith in Edwin Diaz. I always probably will just because I've, I've, I've pinned myself to that ship and I'm okay with that. <laughs> Um, I'm going down with the Edwin Diaz ship. Um, <laughs> so I think he's your closer. Still have Seth Lugo. Still have Miguel Castro. Still have Trevor May. Jerry's Familia and Trevor May. So like, those are all talented pitchers. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, it's starting pitching. Who's the starting pitcher that you are – either targeting in a trade or want to see them pursue in free agency. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Like I haven't looked at who's even available in a long yeah, time. Kershaw, Zach Grinke, Carlos Rodon, Michael Pineda. Yeah. Um, I mean, none of those are particularly inspiring to me. I think, I think Kershaw probably already has a deal in principle with the Dodgers to come back for a year. I can't imagine yeah, why he wouldn't. Or maybe the Rangers. I mean, he's from Texas. True, maybe the Rangers. And the Rangers are making moves. Like, I I just don't think – I don't don't see Kershaw as on the Mets' radar. No, Um, I don't think that's – And then Grinky, I love Zach Grinky just as a human. He's so weird. 
Um, and I love that about him. So I think he would be fun to have him on the Mets. Um, but yeah, I mean, Carlos Rodon, I think, makes the most sense in my mind to sign a free agent starting pitcher. I like Rodon a lot. I think, my, I think my only concern with him is that he has, he has been, he had a really good year this past year towards the end of the season. He had some shoulder issue and he's mm-hmm. also had been hurt. In the past. He's been hurt in the past. So like, those are the only things that are concerning to me. Um, but I mean, if you're bringing him in and you're, you know, you're bringing him in as a number four guy, you know, a number five guy, mm-hmm. um, I'm fine with that. Uh, you say Kikuchi is another guy who's available that I would I would be yeah. okay with the signing. Kikuchi really figured his stuff out. He got off to a rough start um, to the season in 2021, but I think he is a good pitcher, and I think he would be a, a solid back end rotation kind of guy. I just think that so, we're hoping for more out of Kikuchi than he could provide, and I think he would be a good fit for the Mets because he would be a sort of back end guy. The thing with Kikuchi is that he was kind of like the first post Shohei Otani uh, pitcher from, you know, overseas yeah. who was posted that was also like supposed to be like a high, uh, mm-hmm. highly sought after arm, you know? So like, like he was like, obviously you can't really compare him to Otani because he's not a two-way player like Otani is, mm-hmm. but he was, he was kind of like as a pitcher, like Otani light, they were, I guess, kind of hoping for. Right. Uh, so I think that's the thing with him. And I was honestly surprised that the Mariner, I mean, maybe his deal, deal expired. I don't know, but I was kind of surprised the Mariners, like that he's a free agent. Uh, mm-hmm. He was an all-star in 2021. Uh, he kind of had a Taiwan Walker, like Jekyll and Hyde season. Um, but he's someone that I would be interested in the Mets pursuing. Yeah. Uh, but I had told you before the podcast that I had a trade proposal. Um, and I was talking to this with a couple of my old buddies from Metsmerized uh, earlier today. And um, I was thinking about the Reds because the Reds are possibly going to have like a fire sale or like they, they, like they could yeah. like sell off some pieces. And they have a couple of really good starting pitchers that could be of Mets interest. And a guy that I like in particular is Luis Castillo. I do too. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, really good he got off to a a, i think a lot of people like that i bring this up to are like well he had a bad 2021 season he really didn't he had a rough Mm -hmm. start but he like rebounded really quickly and had a had a good season um so the thing with the reds i think there there could be a move that could be made with the mets i was thinking the mets could possibly pursue luis castillo tell the reds that they'll take on Eugenio Suarez's contract mm. and then that would lower the prospect capital the Mets would be giving back yeah. and obviously Suarez is not the guy that he was you know he's not going to hit 50 home runs again he <laughs> has struggled um, he I think he has like three years left in his deal and like 30 something 40 something million dollars left on his deal um, which is obviously like the, the year commitment's not great but if you're getting ca- a Castillo in that type deal I would possibly do that. And then, you know, a couple of my friends brought up, well, what about Joey Votto? What if if they were able to finagle getting Joey Votto, taking his contract and getting Castillo? And then you hope that you have a DH and you could use Joey Votto as your DH. 
The Mets already have enough options at DH. I think Dom Smith would have to be involved in that deal uh, or even like Jeff McNeil or <laughs> hell Robinson Cano. No, no one's going to, no one's going to take Robinson Cano. Maybe JD. Um, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Like it's, it's tough when you like look at like a possible trade partner being in the position that we're in, just like these, you know, armchair, you know, GMs and saying like, oh, well, this makes sense. Just be like precisely because it makes sense probably makes it more difficult to actually, you know, get done because both sides are going to try to shortchange in one way or another. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, um, but, I, but I agree with you. Like, I think Eugenio Suarez, that could be interesting. <laughs> I know all the old heads are going to be like, he strikes out too much. But like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's, it, the thing is, it's like about him. It's it's more about like you get another option at third base, mm-hmm. um, but it's really more about the Castillo in that deal. Like, if oh, you totally. get Castillo, like, you know, you have Degrom, Scherzer, and Castillo at the top of your rotation. Yeah. And, and you really just need to piece together the back of the rotation. Like, you know, Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker tentatively round out your rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you get out of Carrasco what you normally get out of Carrasco, then your top four pitchers are really great. Taiwan Walker, obviously, if he could just eat some innings, you know, like I'm not expecting him to be an all star again, but if he can just eat some innings, I'm fine with that. And then, you know, you have. Beyond that, you know, you have Tyler McGill, you have David Peterson, um, you know, you have some options beyond that too. That could be like your fifth starter in case anyone gets hurt. Um, I'm like Jordan Yamamoto. What's his deal? Is he coming back from injury? Yeah, he's still under, he's still under team control. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he's probably healed up by now from his injury. I don't even remember what he was injured with. I don't either. Um, but no, I mean, like I'm all in on Castillo. I love, I love that idea. I think it's really good. Um, and I think Suarez is just interesting enough to be like, yeah, let's, let's do that deal. I would trade like a Dom Smith and maybe a prospect, um, for those two guys. Like you give Dom Smith, yeah, you give Dom Smith a chance to be their first. Well, I mean, they still, have, they would still have Votto in that situation, but Dom could play left field perhaps. Or JD, you know? JD might actually make more sense because they'd be trading basically for a third baseman, like, like for like with Suarez, basically. Yeah. I mean, um, it would, it would probably be either JD or McNeil, you know, I, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd be a little bit, I, I really still don't love the idea of them trading McNeil. Um, JD Davis, I think, I think it still has a lot of value. You know, I mean, he's, he's a really good hitter. Um, yeah. He was you know, hurt he, like all last year, basically. That, yeah, I mean, but we saw, you know, like even but even when JD Davis was healthy, he was still hitting, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that the Reds are an interesting trade trade target for the Mets, because even if it's not Castillo, the Mets could, the Mets could, uh, they could try to ask about Sonny Gray as well. Mm. I love Sonny Gray. <laughs> Me too. I, I, too. I really like Sonny Gray a lot, and I think that would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, like. The Reds are in an unfortunate place because to me, they were in a National League Central that was kind of there for the taking, or at least like to get into a wild card spot. Like the Brewers are a really good team, but I felt like, especially during the season, like the Brewers weren't running away with it. And like the Reds were there. 
Um, but they just like didn't really get the job done. And they have all these like expiring contracts, like Castellanos is basically gone. Uh, Winker, I don't know if he, if what's, I don't know what his contract situation is like. No, me neither. Uh, but like with Castellanos gone, that's kind of like the heart and soul of this team, you know? Yeah. So, like, it's I feel weird. like they're going to have to sell. I think that's really what's going to happen. Like, I think the Reds are, I think the Reds are probably going to go into like some sort of like a rebuild or a retool mode. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's a shame because they really did have some inter. I mean, I feel like the the thing with the Reds is that like. They also had like Jonathan India, who was so good. Jonathan India. Yeah. And that's, that's where they might retool, you know, maybe they'll get some guys that are. You know, where they it's not going to be like a full rebuild, but Jonathan India, I mean, for, former first round pick, rookie of the year this past year, mm-hmm. um, has a bright future. Um, grew up a Mets fan, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, Jonathan, yeah, I think so. I think I, I think I remember Gary, Keith, and Ron talking about that on the broadcast. Yeah, yeah, I think we talked um, about it on the pod too. <laughs> grew up in Florida, I think, but I think that his family is from New York, so I think he grew up a Mets fan. Nice, um. If, if that's erroneous information, you guys can correct me. But, um, but yeah, so I, I think, I mean, obviously, like, you need another starting pitcher. And then I would like to see them bring in some starting pitching depth for, like, the upper minors, like, so you don't have a Jared Eikhoff type situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, maybe guy, one more. Porcello. <laughs> still he's, still out, he's still <laughs> out there. Bring the man home. <laughs> bring him home. Jesus. Uh, uh, but yeah, one bat, one more bat, you know, maybe some like, some like utility type guys like Jose Peraza, you know, a lefty out of the bullpen and then, mm-hmm. you know, a starting pitcher. And, and then that's, I think you're good to go. Now, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I want Eugenio Suarez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I planted the seed. Yeah. Make it happen. Let's do it. Bring, bring Luis Castillo to new york and break the former luis castillo curse the infielder luis castillo just, break that or just get sunny gray instead <laughs> or just get sunny gray instead i'm fine with either one of them really. um, yeah but yeah so before we go you want to remember some some dudes oh yeah let's do that all right all right uh you want to go first you want me to go first um i'm gonna need a second all right i'll go first in that case i always have Mets legends off the dome. Yeah. I've been give me a slow year. on the draw lately. Give me a year and I'll pick a random Met from my mind bank. Um, so I just randomly decided on 1998. Okay. Do you wanna do you wanna do 1998 with me? Yeah, no 98. First guy that comes to my mind, Jermaine mm-hmm. Allensworth. Pretty sure he was on that 98 team. Jermaine Allensworth. He sure was. Played 34 yep. games. There you go. Hit 204. Um, I got to go with Mets legend pillar, Masato Yoshii. Yeah. Masato Yoshii. He is uh, – so, you know, each week, obviously, I do a graphic schedule for our team, for you guys listening at home. And it was such a weird week. I, I guess it makes sense because this is like a – you know, this is usually right before spring training, like where we are right now, like teams mm-hmm. are kind of like, but it's still the off season. So teams are making moves and stuff. So uh, this week it was like, 
Mike Pelfrey's like birthday is this week. <laughs> and, and they also signed him to a deal this week. Uh, Masato Yoshi was originally signed. And then like two years later, he was traded this week. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of doubles this week, but Masato Yoshi, the Mets originally signed him. I think this week, uh, this week in 98. So 98 was a good year to pick. That's right. But yeah. yeah. Yep. Signed, signed January 13th. Traded January 14th of 2000. Yeah. To the Rockies so for Bobby the Jones. Thing. Yeah. Bobby, Bobby J. Jones. I forget. There was two uh, Bobby Jones on those teams. Uh, no, I think it was. Or Bobby. It was, it was Bobby J. Jones. Bobby J. Jones. Yeah. Bobby M. Jones was the Bobby Jones from like the, like the mid nineties. Wait, do we have that? Right? Where's his full name? Which one? Bobby, Bobby, Bobby J. Jones was on the Rockies, right? Bobby J. Jones. Yeah. Bobby yeah. M. Jones, was the other Bobby Jones. Okay. <laughs> yeah. God, but saying Bobby Jones now, it just feels fake. You know, when you say, <laughs> <a word> like, <laughs> right. Bobby Jones, Bobby Jones, Bobby Jones. Oh, he's here. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Jones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. It's a good way to good way to finish up the episode. We will see you guys next week. See you next week. Hopefully, this lockout Hopefully shit will get the ball rolling. Yeah. All right. Peace, guys. Have a good week.